takeaways. Lots of takeaways, starting with A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon, A.J. Dillon. The number one takeaway is A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon, Sisson is here. Whenever we have an opportunity to tout a truly explosive running back, who is a just a physical size speed specimen? Anytime that player gets elevated to a starting role, we're required to get excited. We're talking about a 97th percentile speed score and a 97th percentile burst score on PlayerProfiler.com. This dude is six foot two forty seven. There's only one running back that's actually comparable to Derrick Henry in the NFL, and I know everyone's like, "Oh, Derrick Henry's a, a, a unicorn," and and that that was true. That was true. When we had to develop a comp for Derrick Henry years ago, J.J. Dillon was at Boston College. He wasn't in the NFL. But if we had to to pick a a comp for Derrick Henry, a player with truly unusual size and explosiveness, it would be A.J. Dillon. So A.J. Dillon's not a slick receiver. We know that. But he's actually been more heavily targeted in the passing game, especially on a per-snap basis. If you look at his target rate, on playerprofiler.com, the advanced receiving section of the running back pages. A.J. Dillon's target rate's significantly higher than Derrick Henry's, even though neither one were exceptional receivers in college. And Derrick Henry, thus far, has been underutilized in the passing game. If I were the Tennessee Titans, I would be utilizing Derrick Henry more in the passing game. But I don't run NFL teams, as we know. The Packers are. The Packers have decided, you know what, we, we, could, we could throw the ball. We, could, we should drop some, some screen plays to A.J. Dillon. He's going to be very difficult for linebackers and safeties to bring down. We, they, you know, running him up the middle is doing the defense a favor, right? Allowing the, the biggest defenders a chance to go head-to-head and, and bring him down. If we get him out on the perimeter, if we get him the ball in the passing game, then he can avoid the biggest defenders. Then it's a size-speed mismatch against second-level defenders. This is why this takeaway is not just the number one takeaway from Week 10. This might be the number one takeaway for the season. that We're looking at the league-winning running back from those middle rounds. We, we talked about it. We, we, we identified one of two running backs in the middle rounds where... If the incumbent goes down, this guy is a league winner. It was Tony Pollard and it was A.J. Dillon. Those are the two running backs we identified as having the highest upside, top five NFL running back for fantasy football. If either Ezekiel Elliott breaks a toe or Aaron Jones hyperextends his elbow, whatever it is, whatever injury befalls these guys, I mean, these, these poor gladiators well they're not poor right these gladiators are out here risking everything for our entertainment their health their mental acumen and so i I appreciate everything that aaron jones is doing i appreciate everything that that ezekiel elliott is doing two more touchdowns for ezekiel elliott i mean this guy's a top five fantasy running back this year turns out if you drafted zeke over derrick henry you're okay why one of the reasons Dallas has managed Ezekiel Elliott's touches to start the year. The Titans refuse to manage Derrick Henry's 
touches to start the year, and one guy's now on injured reserve, and the other guy's scoring two touchdowns. That, there's another observation right there. It all ties back to Derrick Henry. A.J. Dillon's most closely compared player in the player profiler database, the guy that's the closest comp, is Steven Jackson, which is also fun, right? Steven Jackson was actually huge. He was like 230 pounds, had huge burst, was a better receiver than A.J. Dillon will ever be. But this year, even heading into this game, Week 10, A.J. Dillon already had 14 receptions as the the number two back, right? He was a, a distant second to Aaron Jones and snap share, and yet 14 receptions. So this is everything you're looking for in a running back, and, and it's different than Ramadre Stevenson. So the other, the other observation is that even a running back who looked like a slug in college can look fast and explosive and, and, and get you excited. Right, But this is, again, why Player Profiler exists. You can't just watch these games and have a sense for how explosive Ramadre Stevenson is versus A.J. Dillon. Someone might watch these games and think, oh, these guys are equivalent. Right, These guys are the same. Right, These guys are both huge. And man, they are ramrodding right through the opposing defenses. These are similar dudes. Ramadre Stevenson, like A.J. Dillon, He's been a slicker receiver at the NFL level than he was at the college level. And good for them, right? They're improving. I don't know how they're doing it, but they're improving. And I'm happy for them. But I'm not rushing out to go get Ramadre Stevenson. Intrinsically, Ramadre Stevenson is a lesser player than Damian Harris. Damian Harris is just a better runner, a better receiver. He's better everywhere, right? And I know you go, well, that, that, uh, I haven't seen it. Right, I haven't seen it. What I've seen from Ramadre Stevenson's been even more efficient. Yeah, in a small sample, sure. All the efficiency metrics from production premium to you know, yards per touch. Pick pick a metric on playerprofiler.com. Ramadre Stevenson's going to dominate Damian Harris because he's seen fewer touches. And if there was one team that you'd want to run the ball instead of pass the ball against, it's the Cleveland Browns. You want to run at Miles Garrett. Bill Belichick knows that, right? So that's what they did. If there was a team that you would skew, run heavy against, it would be the Browns. And they did that, and they did it successfully. And congratulations. I mean, that's, that's great news for Ramadre Stevenson. Is his dynasty value going to surge? Yes. But am I hopeful that he will seize that job from Damian Harris? No, that's not happening. Damian Harris is the established incumbent for all the right reasons. And he's going to be back after he returns from the concussion in a starting role, a primary back role. You got to deal with that. Enjoy the Ramadre Stevenson week. You had 100 yards and two touchdowns. Enjoy that. Savor it. Take the win. If you got the win, if you played Ramadre Stevenson, you probably won. We talked about it in the Starter Stream show. If you have Darnus Johnson or Ramadre Stevenson, you're playing these guys. They're going to get a 60-plus percent opportunity share, so you play them. They're going to get some dump-offs. They're going to score some touchdowns. They might even break some long runs whether they run a 4-7-40 or not. And that's what they did. I mean, between Ramadre Stevenson and Ernest Johnson, they put up 199 yards. One had the touchdowns, one didn't. But that's everything, right? The touchdowns are everything. One had the touchdown luck swing in his favor, the other didn't, right? Same yardage, one had the touchdowns, one didn't. I mean, same number of carries, 20 to 19. 
But Stevenson did get the five targets. Dernis Johnson, eight targets, right? These are not strong receivers. And yet you're looking up going, wow, this, this guy, he, he had eight targets. He must be, he must be a strong receiver. Ramadre Stevenson, five targets. Yeah, five targets. How many yards? 14 yards? That's less than three yards per target. Whether it's Dernis Johnson, Ramadre Stevenson, they're the same guy. Understand that they're the same guy. These are slugs that have been thrust into a starting role, and they can look explosive when there's a wide running lane, and they get momentum, and then defenders are coming at them at angles where they're accelerating away from them, but it's partially due to the fact that the defender does not have a direct angle to make the tackle, can make some running backs look faster than they actually are. A.J. Dillon didn't put up the big rushing numbers, did he? But he did give the two touchdowns, just like Ramadre Stevenson. But Aaron Jones looks like he's going to miss significant time. Severe MCL sprains can take guys out for six weeks. You lose six weeks, season's over. Think about it. And I can hear the buzzards now. Oh, but, but the coach said it's a mild sprain. How dumb do you have to be to believe NFL coaches when they say, oh, it was just a mild sprain. He'll be back in a week or two. That's what they said about Clyde edwards helaire Not even the most naive members of this audience believe that. Hogwash anymore. Here's the schedule. You ready for the schedule? The Packers schedule? Oh, baby, get ready. Get ready. Minnesota, Rams, bye week. That's a problem. See, they haven't had their bye week. Yeah, that's, I hate that. You wish they had had their bye out of the way by now. Chicago, Baltimore, Cleveland, Minnesota. Many of these teams are not actually tough run defenses. Look what just happened where you had, oh, this defensive struggle. You had the Patriots against the Browns. And the two primary running backs between the tackles grinders post 199 rushing yards. Get out of here. Against Cleveland, Week 16, A.J. Dillon. Hell yeah. If the Rams have a stout pass rush, for example, big deal. Big deal. That's why you would run the ball more. If you have the running back that particular week, why do you care? If there's a difficult pass rush, that's good. That's good for two reasons. It's good because, like the Patriots did, they're going to want to run at a Miles Garrett. We're going to want to run at an Aaron Donald. So there's that reason. And Chicago's also lost Khalil Mack. They've lost some of their pass rush talent. And so has Minnesota. Minnesota's lost their best pass rusher too. So by the end of the season, a lot of these teams that we viewed as quality defenses in quotes, a lot of them through just the attrition that happens as the NFL season goes along, they lose a lot of their, their high-end talent, especially on the defensive side of the football. It's all green lights for A.J. Dillon. This is a, a special occasion where midseason – You can call a guy up from your bench or from your taxi squad, and he can be a top five running back in fantasy the rest of the way. We have full season league winner running backs, and then you have the second half league winner running backs. This is a C.J. Anderson situation. So seven years ago, Le'Veon Bell was smashing. Le'Veon Bell was destroying. And if you didn't have Le'Veon Bell in fantasy football, you weren't winning. And then a funny thing happened. All these running backs in Denver went down and they called a guy up from the practice squad and he was undrafted from Cal. And you're like, CJ Anderson, even at Cal, he was uh, barely the starter, right? That's how we knew. Oh, wait, CJ Anderson, he's just a guy. 
He's just a guy that's thrust into a role, but if he's thrust into the right role at the right time, then he could be a league winner. That's how it works. But when you zoom out on C.J. Anderson, you're like, oh, I guess he's not actually that good. Maybe if he could have seized the primary back role in college, but he couldn't even do that. We can never forget the even split with E.C. Safili at Cal. So why do I care about C.J. Anderson in Dynasty? Well, it turns out you didn't need to, right? Yeah, he gave you that one season, and that was pretty much a wrap on his relevance. After that, he barely crested 1,000 yards three years later, gave you 1,000 yards and three touchdowns for Denver in 2017. But it was that 2014 season where he put up over 800 yards and eight touchdowns on the ground in the second half, as well as 30-plus catches and 300-plus yards as a receiver. That's what A.J. Dillon is capable of. A.J. Dillon is capable of a C.J. Anderson second half. Every few years this happens. We have this incredible league winner that allows you to compete with the full-season league-winning running back of that particular year. A few years back, that was... Deion Lewis, because Todd Gurley was was doing what Le'Veon Bell did, just smashing, just 15-plus rushing touchdowns, 1,500-plus yards, catching a bunch of passes, 50-plus catches. Like, this guy's a machine. This guy's Ladanian Tomlinson. This guy's a Christian McCaffrey-level league winner, full-season league winner. How do you beat that guy? How do you beat that team? You need a C.J. Anderson to go head-to-head with Le'Veon Bell teams. You need that Deion Lewis to go head-to-head with the Todd Gurley teams. This year, you're going to want A.J. Dillon. And who's A.J. Dillon going head-to-head with? The Jonathan Taylor teams! The Jonathan Taylor! No, he's a league winner! He's the guy! He's the guy! It was Jonathan Taylor all along! Who did you want to draft in the first round at running back? Oh, it was Jonathan Taylor all along. Second rounder, Jonathan Taylor. You love to see it. And... The Colts almost lost that game because they chose to, to, to slow play the rest of the game. And, and that's what they do. The, the, the Vikings do this. The Colts are now doing this, apparently. So many teams like to do this. And this is where you can separate the exceptional teams from the pretender teams. Is that the exceptional teams just don't stop. Like they, just, they, just, they just don't stop. And, and there's at no point are they backing off in their aggressiveness. Look what the Chiefs did. Chief said, you know what? We're not backing off. We're, g- we're going to blow them out. We're going to keep throwing. Keep throwing. You can throw to Jonathan Taylor in the passing game. In fact, that's what I would do. My version of conservative play calling to milk clock would be more screen plays because those have a high catch rate, and so the, the clock will keep running, but it's technically a pass, and you get the benefits of the passing game and all the efficiencies that come with it. Get more first downs, and you milk more clock. Next thing you know, game's over, and you're winning easily because Jonathan Taylor's breaking a long run in the screen game. But no, 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 no. Whether it's Dalvin Cook, whether it's Jonathan Taylor, sometimes having those running backs on the roster can convince coaches to be too conservative in the second half. And then you look up and, oh, the Vikings just lost the game. They, they, they let the game slip away. Oh, there's a missed field goal. And next thing you know, the Vikings lost. How the hell did they lose that game? It's like a riddle. How'd they lose it? The Colts tried to lose this game against Jacksonville. And it's it's because the coaches realize just what they have in a Dalvin Cook, in a Jonathan Taylor, and it leads to suboptimal play calling. 
And this is now going to happen in Detroit. It looks like the Detroit coaches have figured out what they have in DeAndre Swift. And if it's not Jonathan Taylor, who's your full season league winner, because DeAndre Swift went in the fourth round as opposed to the second round, in best ball, he was going in the fifth round at the end of August, early September. Never forget that. DeAndre Swift, fifth round, underdog fantasy, unbelievable. Underdogfantasy.com, underdogfantasy.com, promo code UNDERWORLD. Every week we get better at exploiting these overs and unders for NFL football. And Josh Larkey's confidence is growing and growing. The underdog pick'em generator, which is a key part of the DFS Dominator package, it's yielding positive results and they're improving week after week. So much that you can get confident enough to start stacking picks where you can 3x, 5x, 10x, up to 20x your money by stacking picks. Josh is taking down these max parlays, and it's just bravo. Underdogfantasy.com, promo code UNDERWORLD for an instant deposit match up to $100 for first-time depositors. And Swift had 39 opportunities, 36 touches for Swift. This is unbelievable. In the best possible way. I mean, I know Jamal Williams didn't play, but this is huge. This is huge. If you have DeAndre Swift in Dynasty, basically what's happening is, in Dynasty, Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift are locking arms together. They're holding onto the balloon, and they're just rising up into the air, into the stratosphere together. They're holding on to each other as the balloon rises. I love it. I, lo I love it so much. Because in a vacuum, these were two of the best running back prospects to come along. And we were screaming this, screaming this, when others were drafting Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Now look at what Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has done in his career, or just the last two seasons, compared to Daryl Williams. Look at Daryl. Daryl Williams is having the season that so many wanted for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire last year and this year, and he just had the game everyone thought Clyde Edwards-Hilaire would give you week in, week out. Oh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to go 9-for-9 go nine nine in the passing game. going to give you nine targets, nine receptions, 100 yards and a touchdown as a receiver. And then whatever he gives you in the running game is a bonus. Those 43 yards in the running game, oh, that's going to be a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire bonus game, bonus production. But, but the problem is, this is not Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. It's... Daryl Williams and Daryl Williams like Ramadre Stevenson and like Darnus Johnson he's not good we know that because he doesn't run fast and if you don't run fast like CJ Anderson you're not going to have an enduring career as a high level super productive elite NFL running back it's not going to happen you can have an eight week run and so many of these running backs have an eight-week run. Ramondre Stevenson might not even have that. He might just have that one-game run. We talked about it on the backstage pass. There are certain players I don't want you dropping, even though you're tempted to go take the next splashy breakthrough running back on the waiver wire. And there's multiple every week. Sometimes that guy's Daryl Williams. Sometimes that guy's Damian Williams. And you're not sure which one which one to pick up. In this case, it was Daryl Williams. But... How could you have known? You couldn't have known. No one could have seen the future. Damian Williams is actually a better athlete than Daryl Williams. Daryl Williams is already 26, 27 years old. I'm not hopeful that Daryl Williams is going to become anything. But in Dynasty, am I trying to get Daryl Williams if I'm in a win-now situation? 
absolutely. Darrell Williams is 26 years old, runs a 4.72, has no burst. And in the context of this Chiefs offense, he can be an RB1 in fantasy, which was the entire argument, the whole premise for going and targeting Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in rookie drafts over Jonathan Taylor, over DeAndre Swift, incorrectly. So why not go get him now in seasonal leagues? Why wasn't there this big rush to go acquire Daryl Williams in seasonal leagues? That was the case for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in Dynasty. And if Edwards-Hilaire is going to miss all this time with a knee injury, where's the clamoring for Daryl Williams based on team situation? What happened to the the Edwards-Hilaire thesis? You're just throwing out the whole thing? The whole argument's moot because you can't get your precious first-round running back from LSU who looks so explosive in the... National championship game, right? That's what it comes down to. This guy looked fast and explosive. Is he really? I don't know. I don't know. That's why we created playerprofiler.com because that's all it was. That's all football analysis was, was how guys looked on film. And there was a running back named David Cobb on Minnesota. So many film grinders love this guy. He could break tackles. He looked explosive when defenders were chasing him from bad angles. Many were really all in on David Cobb. And then David Cobb went to the combine and he ran a 4.75. And it was over. It was over, right? Just like it was over for Ramadre Stevenson. It was over for Daryl Williams. Long term, they don't have careers as starting running backs in the NFL. They can be replacement players. They can fill gaps in rosters and be promoted into starting roles if there are injuries to the players that are actually good, like Nick Chubb, sure, right? Players that are actually good, like Damian Harris, sure. But are they actually good in a vacuum based on the things that we can measure? No, no. I had had enough. I was enough with this. I test nonsense from analysts touting David Cobb. Enough. I'm going to build like an entire website, let people know whether these players are actually good or not. And then you look up and and finally, the Detroit Lions, who could have just looked it up on Player Profiler, have it took them a year and a half to realize what they have in DeAndre Swift. You do know that if any of the Lions coaches had looked up DeAndre Swift on Player Profiler a year ago, Swift would have been getting the 30 touches a game that we've been wanting him to get for so long, that he deserved to get. But the coaches didn't know. They didn't know what they had. Now they know. It take them all this time, this circuitous route that they follow to finally figure out what they have. And then so many fantasy gamers get fooled. Get fooled into thinking, oh, Ramadre Stevenson in Dynasty. Let me go get this guy. He's the heir to Damian Harris. In fact, maybe he stole Damian Harris's job on Sunday. Wrong. That's not him. But that is A.J. Dillon. See, the argument that A.J. Dillon just stole Aaron Jones' soul is absolutely credible. Because when you look up AJ Dillon on playerprofiler.com, you're like, oh, wait. Oh, so this guy's way, way better. Way, way better than Stevenson and Dernis Johnson and Daryl Williams. It's not even, not even close. This is a player who actually could be the primary back in Green Bay for the next five years. This is awful news for Aaron Jones. And you're going to see it reflected in the dynasty rankings. You're going to see Aaron Jones' lifetime value completely crater. It's why he's been behind other running backs with similar profiles like Austin Eckler for many weeks because this danger has been out there in a way that it's not with Austin Eckler. You go, oh, can Larry Roundtree be the A.J. Dillon 
to Austin Eckler? No. At no point will the slug that is Larry Roundtree ever be a threat to Austin Eckler in a way that A.J. Dillon is most certainly, most definitely, and absolutely an imminent threat to Aaron Jones' career as a primary back. That's why this is so much more important. That's why this observation from Week 10 is so much bigger, so much more impactful than anything you're looking at in the Chiefs box score related to Darrell Williams. Anything you're looking at in the Patriots box score or the Browns box score related to Dernis Johnson and Ramadre Stevenson. Just get out of here. Stevenson is a sell in Dynasty. You kidding me? This is everything you were hoping for if you have Stevenson. This is your this is your moment to flip him. And anyone that has Daryl Williams in Dynasty that can't win this year has him on the block and has a time clock to trade him. You've already done it. You traded him two weeks ago. If you had any kind of sense for how to optimize the assets on your roster. If you didn't trade Daryl Williams two weeks ago, you're doing it wrong. Now, the, 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 the time is almost up. And Clyde Edwards-Solaire is going to be back. And they're going to put Clyde Edwards-Solaire right back in a primary back role. Whatever Daryl Williams did will not result in him becoming a primary back in the NFL. He's just not that guy. The measurables indicate he's not that guy. In order for a running back that runs a 4-7 to seize a starting role and be a primary back for multiple years and an RB1 in fantasy across multiple seasons, you would have to go back to Arian Foster to find an example of a running back with those measurables becoming an elite and enduring fantasy asset. It just doesn't happen. And when it happens, you have to be Arian Foster level efficient in the passing game and Arian Foster level feel for the position to understand exactly when to put your foot in the ground and find that crease. Arian Foster, one of the best cutback runners in the history of the NFL, one of the better receivers out of the backfield in the history of the NFL. If you have those traits, then yes, maybe you can overcome running a 4-7-40 and have a full and productive NFL career as a starting running back. Otherwise, forget it. Forget it. I don't want to hear anyone celebrating Williams, Stevenson, Dernis Johnson. Congratulations. You did the obvious thing, which we talked about on the Starter Stream Show, which is you played a starting running back in fantasy football. You started the starter. Congratulations. Now either trade him or ride it out if you're in the driver's seat. Because I, I do have some Daryl Williams in Dynasty, and I, I'm riding this out. I'm riding this baby out. I don't trust Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to return to full health and full competency. They're going to reinsert him back as the primary back when he returns, but it could be an even distribution of touches. And I've not seen... Clyde Edwards-Hilaire be as efficient in the passing game as Daryl Williams. We could look up, and Daryl Williams has become the satellite back in Kansas City. And as you can see, just look at this box score, put up four points as a runner and more than 20 points as a receiver. What would you rather be? You'd rather be the receiver. Trade deadline's coming up, and you can still get Daryl Williams. But the best is dynasty. See, in seasonal leagues, they're just so lame because... 
the person who picked up Daryl Williams is probably in contention anyway. There's only you know half the league that's really paying attention, and then those are the same people you're competing against. So actually doing a trade for anyone that was picked up recently is likely impossible. In Dynasty, you had this whole other dynamic where there's a bunch of teams that are not in contention, and they know that this Daryl Williams has the time clock, and when it reaches zero, his value heading into 2022 will be close to zero. He's not going to be the primary back next year when he's 27 years old running a 4.73. So they're just trying to get something. They're trying to get a third, fourth rounder. They're trying to get some young player that may not amount to anything, but at least it's better to roster that player into 2022 than to to, to hold on to an asset who's half-lifing every week and the value will be zero by week 18. So those assets are vulnerable. You can scroll through the rosters in Dynasty, find those teams that have the Darrell Williams that appear to no longer be in contention, and you can dangle young players with upside and late picks that will likely become nothing, have no value. Most fourth rounders in rookie drafts bust. Most third rounders bust. Hell, most second rounders bust. But third and fourth rounders at a much higher rate. Oh, Clyde edwards is coming back. Didn't you know? You, you don't need Darrell Henderson. You know, let, him, let me have him. You know, have you, have, you, have you seen his player profiler page? Ew. Gross. He's not going to be the starter next year. Forget it. It's, it's Clyde edwards Solaire unless they go and add another running back. That's the move. That's the move. So right now in Dynasty, you got to scour your teams, realize that trade deadline's coming up, decide are you contending or not. Make that decision now. Are you contending or not? And if not... Let go of these replacement level pieces that can produce this year to help a team this year that's trying to compete for a championship, but aren't going to help you at all in 2022 and beyond. Is that a single takeaway? Was that one? T- I think that was a single takeaway. I think the takeaway that sure, AJ Dillon looks like this year's CJ Anderson is a great take, but that was part of a larger takeaway about how to manage your dynasty roster and optimize the talent profile based on your goals for this season. So we'll call that takeaway number one. This is how prolific I am as a fantasy football podcaster. This should be a wrap. Show should be over. And yet we're just getting started. I'm just getting warmed up. How about them cowboys? The cowboys. We did it. We're back. We're back. Dak is back. Took him a week. Took a week for Dak to come back, and I'm very happy to have him back. Dak is back. When Dak is back, the Cowboys are stacked. If you don't know that, you don't know Jack. Seven catches for Pollard. I mean, this guy. It's almost like he put up like 40 catches in college while sharing a backfield with Daryl Henderson. It's almost like he did that. Or Darrell. Is it Daryl Williams and Darrell Henderson? I think that's right. I think it's Darrell Henderson, Daryl Williams. I could be wrong. Three for three for Elliott. So he's giving you just enough. In the receiving game, give you that three, four and a half points in the receiving game, give you the touchdowns, bada bing, bada boom, 18 fantasy points. Thank you very much. Cha-ching. That's all we were. Did you want more than that? Right? That, that That's just in a complete and utter blowout where he's not even playing in the fourth quarter. Elliot's giving you 18 fantasy points. You have to love that. CeeDee Lamb being CeeDee Lamb. Amari Cooper is officially underwhelming. If you drafted Cooper, you're not happy. 
It's not like you drafted uh, Allen Robinson. It's not that level of disappointment. But if, if you drafted Amari Cooper, officially you're disappointed. Still better than drafting Calvin Ridley. And Kyle Pitts, the receiving leader. Great work. Great work by Kyle Pitts. New X receiver. But he's not going to be super efficient because the defense can key on him, bracket him. There's no one on the other side of the formation that can keep defenses honest. It's sad. It's really, it's really sad. Nothing from Russell Gage this week. Oh, just brutal. Just brutal. This whole thing. This is gross. Wayne Gallman, though. Wayne Gallman, 15 attempts. Just getting the game over with. Will he be anything this year for the rest of the season? Probably not. Probably not. What is the, what's the upside for Gallman? In, in a blowout circumstance, he's going to get 15 carries? We had two targets? Has Wayne Gallman ever been a strong receiver? No. Is this the team you want a running back on? No. If you have Cordell Patterson, you're winning, right? This is the first week that I can remember where Cordell Patterson didn't fire. How many weeks has it been where Cordell Patterson exceeded expectations? I mean, this is, this is a great question. This is a terrific question. Let's take a look. Cordell Patterson may have set the record for consecutive weeks exceeding expectations in fantasy football. It finally came to an end. But in week one, he put up 8.7 fantasy points, which technically because it was greater than zero, exceeded our expectations. Then it was 23, 16, 34, 18, 14, 18, 19. He exceeded expectations each and every week. He's an RB1 the last two weeks heading into week 10. Even if you loved Cordell Patterson, you weren't ready to go there. And yet he went there. And it's not going to be a 43-3 to blowout next week. Keep playing Patterson. Don't let this aberrant performance get you off Patterson. But remember, in Dynasty, Patterson is not guaranteed any kind of role next year. They're going to bring in a running back in Atlanta. They're going to draft a running back early, or they're going to sign a running back to be the primary ball carrier in Atlanta. It's going to happen. Cordero Patterson's well into his 30s. Well, he's 30. He's going to be 31 next year. Go get him, right? You think you can win this year? You think you can win in Dynasty? Go get Cordero Patterson. Go get him, man. Go get Daryl Williams. Go get these guys. You'll never get A.J. Dillon, though. You'll never do it. You'll never do it. You'll never get A.J. Dillon. It's not going to happen. Even Dernus Johnson. Even Dernus Johnson might be worth, especially if you have Nick Chubb in Dynasty and you're a competitor, be worth it to go see what the Dernus Johnson team would be willing to do. Fourth round pick in rookie drafts for Dernus Johnson. If you have Nick Chubb, and you're competing for a championship, I would do that. I would do that. I would just secure the back. Secure the primary back in Cleveland. Jets are really bad. Wow, the Jets are bad. And Mike White is worse than I thought. I was hopeful for Mike White. It might be because I picked him up everywhere, and he did well at the Senior Bowl, and he was a prolific college passer. He does have an awkward throwing motion, though. His throwing motion is not optimal. It's not. Right? At least Joe Flacco, say what you want about Joe Flacco, he does have a beautiful throwing motion. Like, he has a textbook throwing motion, which is why he's still in the league. It's why he was drafted out of Delaware, as high as he was. Mike White was the opposite. Mike White, super prolific, but flawed mechanics. And I think we saw some of those flawed mechanics. The Buffalo Bills are just one of those defenses where they go up against bad quarterbacks, and they just feast. They just feast. Matt Breida, two touchdowns. Who started Matt Breida? If you picked up Matt Breida, wouldn't it have been nice to have been able to 
enjoy his production, right? I have A.J. Dillon in some leagues. I didn't start him. How could you, right? Snap share is too low, and he's not active in the passing game. You're hoping for a touchdown? No, right? If you had started Kenyon Drake over A.J. Dillon, that would have been a logical move because Kenyon Drake's been producing in the passing game for weeks in a way that you couldn't have expected from A.J. Dillon, but there's an injury mid-game, and next thing you know, oh my God, A.J. Dillon's posting like 30 fantasy points in the Scott Fishbowl. But many of us had A.J. Dillon on the bench, and we didn't get a chance to benefit from those 30 fantasy points, but we did all the hard work of researching A.J. Dillon and putting him on our roster from the beginning or holding on to him, even as people are trying to trade for him, or we went out and acquired him in trade, and now we look up and we see 30 points on our bench. Why? Why? Why aren't every damn fantasy league best ball? Why? Why? Every new league that we start, patron leagues, patreon.com forward slash podfather, compete against me in Dynasty. All the leagues we roll out are best ball. Of course they're be- of course they're best ball. Of course. Of, co- of course. Why do you want to go through this exercise of trying to decide and guess who's going to get hurt this week? That's basically what it is. Oh, you didn't start A.J. Dillon. Or you didn't know there was going to be a blowout and the Bills would be using Matt Breida. Or Matt Breida's explosive. That's why you picked him up and then he scores on a long touchdown. You don't get to enjoy that? You don't get any benefit from that? Makes no sense. It's a false choice. Every start-sit decision you make is a false choice. It's because whoever your league commissioner is doesn't understand what the optimal format for a fantasy league is. Best ball. Best ball, best ball, best ball. Because I want nothing more than to shut down the Starter Stream show on Sundays forever and never do it again because every league has finally moved to best ball. Every day I wake up in the morning and the best part of my day, the best part of my day is when I walk up to your house and I knock on your door and I hope you're not there. Best part of my day. I wake up and I think for a moment that every fantasy league is finally converted to best ball because it's so obviously better. If you're in a league with your buddies and it's best ball, you're a superior person. You're just a better person than other fantasy gamers. You can feel so good about yourself. If you started a league and have your buddies over to draft and you're making pickups, you're making trades, you're making moves, but no one needs to worry about who they started and who they sat, what kind of false choice they were asked to make, but a game that's highly randomized week to week where great players get hurt Every week, Emmanuel Sanders. That's another player that you can consider trading for if you're in a win-now mode, especially in Dynasty. I was just perusing a Dynasty League before I went live and found Emmanuel Sanders was on a roster that was in 10th place, out of contention. And what do I need? Wide receiver help. So what am I going to offer? Doesn't matter. You can get Emmanuel Sanders... For a fraction of his 2021 value if the team that has him rostered is not in contention in Dynasty. It's an exercise everyone should be doing. And if you're not doing it, you're doing your Dynasty team a disservice and you should just give up and quit. Just stop it. 
It's the one exercise everyone needs to do in early November. You scour your league looking for veterans you can pick off for a fraction of their value. If you're not doing it, you're not trying. The Patriots are trying. The Patriots look great. If you beat the Browns 45-7 with a rookie quarterback, then you deserve a lot of credit. Bill Belichick, I, I salute you. I salute you. I'm not saying I was wrong that Brady had more to do with the championships than Belichick. Absolutely Brady. Way more responsible by, by a factor of 7.5. But this was impressive. They, I mean, if you think coaches don't matter at all, you're wrong. They do matter. They just matter on the margins. They don't matter as much as the corporate media industrial complex would lead you to believe. Yeah. Jacoby Myers scored his first touchdown. Hey, we knew it happened. That's another player to acquire. It's another player to target. Look at his target share. Look at his air yard share. Jacoby Myers is a strong buy, especially in Dynasty, because he's not even 25 years old yet. But he went undrafted, so there's still a chance. The best chance you had was last week, but there's still a chance to, to get Jacoby Myers in Dynasty because it's Myers and Mac Jones for the long term. Nelson Aguilar's a non-factor. Kendrick Bourne's a short-term answer. The two players you know are going to be tethered to Mac Jones for the foreseeable future, Hunter Henry and Jacoby Myers. And for that reason, they're both trade targets. Especially in Dynasty, I want these guys bad. They're both young. They're both young and moving forward. Seasonal leagues, every format. You want Hunter Henry and you want Jacoby Myers. And Hunter Henry illustrates a great dilemma faced by those that are projecting fantasy points in the summer. And I've talked to Josh Larkey about it. When you don't know how the target distribution will play out and you have two players that appear to be roughly equivalent talent, production profiles, you often get both wrong. Most people that are projecting are splitting the difference. They're saying, well, we'll give some of these tight end targets to Henry. We'll give some of these tight end targets to Jonu Smith. And then you look up and neither are attractive. Neither are players you would want in fantasy football. And they slip down to like tight end 15, tight end 17. But knowing that there's this opportunity, if one of them seizes the primary receiving tight end role, there's incredible opportunity there. There's a complete lack of receiver talent. And whoever is the starting two-way tight end and the preferred pass catching option is going to be the first read in the red zone. So the overall production will likely be driven by touchdowns in a good way that's what you want from tight ends you want tight ends that are going to be the focal point in the red zone that was the case for Dallas Goddard and it's still the case for Dallas Goddard hopefully he comes back from this concussion I think there is an opportunity to get Dallas Goddard right now in dynasty as well he hasn't fired the way we were hoping now he's going to miss time on the flip side if you're not in win now mode you may try to go out and acquire Dallas Goddard, or let's say you're in a seasonal league and you think, I'm a lock for the playoffs. Dallas Goddard's going to miss a game or two. No problem. But once he comes back, he's the primary tight end and the number one red zone option. That's what Hunter Henry ended up becoming. But because most projection models were splitting the difference between Janu Smith and Hunter Henry, that upside was never realized that upside was not properly illustrated 
by most rankings and projection services. And we just need to find a way to do a better job. The best answer is often pick a winner. Just pick a winner. And if you're wrong, so what? But at least you don't miss out on that upside when inevitably a winner is established. It's a rare event that both players are healthy all season and share the targets, share the role. They often don't. There typically is a winner and a loser. And Bill Belichick even hinted that the primary move tight end, the receiving tight end, would be Hunter Henry because they talked about using Jonu Smith as an H-back in the backfield. And that's a sign, oh, they're not sure what his role is going to be. Hunter Henry's role is defined. So we'll go ahead and pick him as the winner and imagine a world where Hunter Henry is the every-down, two-way tight end and the preferred option in the passing game. What's his upside look like in that scenario? And then, oh, this becomes a smash in the double-digit rounds because he was drafted after Dallas Goddard, after Mike Gusecki. It was those three guys. It was Gusecki, it was Goddard, it was Henry. And what's interesting is those guys were all highly ranked on the dynasty rankings. We love those players because they were productive at an early age, like Hunter Henry, or they were size-speed specimens like Dallas Goddard and Mike Gusecki who had also shown efficiency when deployed in pass-catching roles. So that's an area where most ranking services can improve their seasonal ranks and projections. When you have that Janu Smith, Hunter Henry situation, pick a winner. Splitting the difference does a disservice to all in those situations. And the Steelers are going to regret this tie. Oh, they're going to regret it. They are all going to regret it, aren't they? Oh, man. And Deontay Johnson would have had a monster performance this week had it been Ben Roethlisberger. Mason Rudolph is terrible. He put up 242 yards on 50 pass attempts. Let's do the math. Is that five yards an attempt? 242 divided by 50. That's 4.8 yards per attempt. That's less than five. That's so bad against the Detroit defense. So bad. Deontay Johnson had 13 targets, as did Ray-Ray McLeod. Now, I will celebrate talking about Ray-Ray McLeod on the Starter Stream show. We go deep leagues. Hey, you're starting a lot of receivers, maybe best ball teams. You just want a guy that can pop who's going to be starting in three receiver sets. That's Ray-Ray McLeod. That was Marcus Johnson. He went for 100 yards. You go through the injury reports. You find out who's not playing. Chase Claypool's not playing. So Claypool's out. Julio Jones on IR. Who's going to be the number two? Who's going to be the number three? Oh, Ray Ray McLeod, he's available everywhere. Oh, Marcus Johnson, he's available everywhere. And this is one of the many reasons why we have Cody Carpentier on the case, why he does the undercover ops show. On Twitter, I saw someone ask him, hey, who should I be picking up? He said, Marcus Johnson. He just, no hesitation, Marcus Johnson. I was like, ooh, that's good. I said Ray Ray McLeod, but Marcus Johnson also, savvy. That's why we're here. This is why we're here. And he was heartbroken to see Quez Watkins drop a long touchdown. Quez Watkins, though, is establishing himself as just better in every way than Jalen Rager. And Cody's other favorite player, other than Quez Watkins, is Jamar Jefferson. Like He's been touting Jamar Jefferson as at least better than Trey Sermon. And once again, Jamar Jefferson showed that he's better than Trey Sermon. Three carries, 41 yards, and a long touchdown. He looked awesome. He somehow sprained his ankle. 
on that long touchdown, but I don't think it was a high ankle sprain. So low ankle sprain likely for Jamar Jefferson. He's better than Jamal Williams. He's very similar to Jamal Williams in every way. His physical profile is very similar, but he's a little bit bigger. And he's at least equivalent to Jamal Williams in the passing game, and he's more explosive. Keep James Washington rostered as well. So the, the, the big takeaway here is Mason Rudolph's terrible. So the shower narrative only helped you get that touchdown from James Washington. Otherwise, it was a dud, just a 10-point dud from James Washington. But if he's the number two next week with Ben Roethlisberger, make Chase Claypool return to practice before you consider dropping James Washington. Because if it were Ben Roethlisberger, it would have been a huge day for Deontay Johnson and potentially also James Washington. I have very few other takeaways. I really don't. Tom Brady somehow lost. That was weird. Antonio Gibson, 24 attempts. That's good. They Coming off the bye, he's had time to rest and heal that stress fracture in his shin, and then they come out and they give him 24 attempts. That's great news. Fuck the touchdowns. I don't care about the touchdowns. Touchdowns are great. But Antonio Gibson getting 24 attempts is great. Great news. That injury will heal on its own. The doctors told him that he can play on it because it will heal even if you're playing on it. And it looks like that's what's happening. Christian McCaffrey, just, he's so special. He's so special. But the funny thing is, because he's three years older than Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift, like, it's not even close in Dynasty. Like, at no point, no matter what Christian McCaffrey does for the rest of his career, it's hard to imagine him ever surpassing Swift, Taylor, and Najee Harris. Because we we came on last week and we made fun of those that were just now moving Jonathan Taylor ahead of Christian McCaffrey, just in time for Christian McCaffrey to go nuclear. But that, that that train had left the station so long ago that we had McCaffrey outside the top three for weeks. It was Harris, Swift, and Taylor, the big three. They've been the big three in Dynasty for a long time now. Like, where have you all been? And unless one of those guys experiences a season-ending injury, no way McCaffrey can overcome those three running backs in Dynasty the rest of the way. It's going to be impossible, especially with the usage that Swift is getting, how productive Taylor's been. Najee Harris is not disappointing. He's not slowing down. So it's, it's not going to happen. Like, oh, McCaffrey's finally moved out of the number one slot. Like, he's not even top three. And anyone that has him top three has a bad process. Because I can't think of anyone that would accept a McCaffrey for Najee Harris trade. No one. No one's like, oh, I'm keeping Harris. Get out of here. This tie is going to haunt Pittsburgh. And we're going to be talking about it in week 17, week 18. Just wait. We're going to talk about it a lot. (laughs) It's going to come up. Look at how wide open the AFC is. The Patriots are clearly headed to the playoffs now. So there's only one wild card spot left. And also, Pittsburgh's a half game back from Baltimore, and there's that one wild card spot left. And they're currently the number six seed is Pittsburgh for now. For now. The Chargers, they'll be coming. And the Colts. The Colts play Jacksonville and Houston. And Houston in Jacksonville will the Pittsburgh Steelers have to play the Bengals again and the Browns and the Ravens. You want to be in the AFC South. If you're going to make the playoffs with a wild card, either be in the AFC East like the Patriots or be in the AFC South like the Colts. 
the division will end up betraying the Steelers. And they can trace back missing the playoffs to this tie. Whether it's Mason Rudolph under center, Duck Hodges, doesn't matter. You can't tie the Lions. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. Run Najee Harris more then. If all Mason Rudolph is giving you is less than five yards an attempt, just, just run Najee Harris then. Come on, man. And the Eagles. The Eagles are four and six. We talked about this on the Starter Stream Show. Bench Sutton, bench Judy. There are just too many miles to... Sutton, only three targets? Come on, Teddy, man. It's an embarrassment of riches in this passing game. And Teddy Bridgewater can't score more than 13 points with a Kuwe, Boonham, and Fant, and Judy, and Sutton, and Patrick. Not to mention Williams and Gordon. Brutal. Also, brutal touchdown called back for Javante Williams. Oh, a holding call. Just absolutely brutal. That would have been nice. For all of us that have Javante Williams, have him everywhere, that would have been so nice. Damn it. He and Gordon are the same guy. It's so, it's hard to tell them apart when they're out there. And Gordon was a first-round pick and a prolific college rusher. Javante Williams is good, man. He is so good. Wow. The Eagles with 40 rush attempts. Wow. When your quarterback is Jalen Hurts and he's built like a linebacker, you can do that comfortably and win. Wow. And we referenced earlier athletic players you don't want to drop in Dynasty, even though they're not producing this year. Kellen Mond at quarterback. Kenny and Wang Yu at running back. They're both Vikings. And because it's Rick Spielman, who's an upside and athleticism connoisseur, they're both good and should not be dropped in Dynasty. Same with Mike Strawn. The Colts' number four, number five receiver is a size-speed specimen. Made the team as a seventh-round pick. Was on the active roster periodically this year. Holding hope with Mike Strawn and holding hope with Tyree Jackson. He was the tight end we talked about on the backstage pass. And now you look up, Dallas Goddard has a concussion. Most players with concussions miss the following week. And I know that some guy named Stahl replaced Dallas Goddard. Forget Stahl. I don't know who Stahl is. don't care about Stahl. I care about Tyree Jackson, the former quarterback with a 90-plus percentile speed score, the burst score, best comparable to Logan Thomas. Imagine if Logan Thomas had converted to quarterback a couple of years earlier. That's Tyree Jackson. And he's going to break out years before Logan Thomas ever did. Hold on to him and watch the practice reports from Philadelphia to see if Dallas Goddard's going to play and see if Tyree Jackson's going to get snaps. He's a guy I want, especially in Dynasty. Get him, get him now before he flashes, which could be as early as week 11. the Packers beat the Seahawks. We've already talked about A.J. Dillon, league winner. League winner A.J. Dillon, C.J. Anderson 2.0. 2.0 being way more explosive than C.J. Anderson. But this is what happened when you rush quarterbacks back. They rushed Dak back, and he wasn't himself. They rushed Russell Wilson back, and he was not himself. He wasn't accurate. 50% completion percentage, and most of the incompletions were to the outside receivers. This makes sense. If you're rusty, this would be exactly how it would play out, that you would be able to complete passes to tight ends and running backs. Disley, 100% catch rate. Collins, 100% catch rate. Meanwhile, Lockett and Metcalf, 30% catch rate. So that's, that's on Russell Wilson and getting rushed back. So I think it's an opportunity to get Metcalf, get Lockett in fantasy football. They will be better moving forward. 
But I just can't stop thinking about A.J. Dillon. Wow. So, it's so exciting. The Chiefs look back. I mean, the Raiders can pressure with four. And if the Raiders can pressure with four and the Chiefs are able to put up 41 points, they've figured something out. This is very good news. They've definitely figured something out there. And it appears that Derek Carr has figured out he has a weapon in Brian Edwards. And I think that Brian Edwards' ascension is going to come at the expense of Darren Waller. Darren Waller was spending a lot of time at the X receiver position last year. And that's not going to be the case as much with Brian Edwards out there. Because Brian Edwards is a prototypical alpha. He can play X. He can beat press coverage. And you saw this. Look at this. Only four targets. 88 yards. That's why you want athletic players on the perimeter. If you have a chance to start someone, if you have a start-sit decision, I would lean athletic playmakers on the perimeter because just with four targets, they can go ahead and put up 80 yards and a touchdown. The exception is if a player has been seizing the lion's share of the targets, the target leader for a relatively prolific offense. If that guy is a slot receiver, I'm playing the slot receiver. Like, you got to come to Jesus on Cole Beasley. He is the target leader in Buffalo, and he's putting up huge fantasy numbers on volume. The biggest factor for upside is targets. You think it's, oh, maybe athleticism. No, it's targets. Targets define upside more than anything else. This is something else we talked about on the Starter Stream show. I can't believe that a show that I loathe so much, that I hate doing, was so insightful. We said, listen, Jacoby Myers, Cole Beasley, Hunter Renfro, they have big upside this week. You're starting these guys over a Cortland Sutton, over a Jerry Judy. And it was like, wait, what? No way. Yeah way. Yeah way. Because they're going to have a higher target share. And then here we go. Hunter Renfro delivering. Jacoby Myers delivering. But also, Brian Edwards delivering. Who to start, Brian Edwards or Hunter Renfro? I would have gone Hunter Renfro. But if you calculate the fantasy points, actually, Brian Edwards scored 0.2 fantasy points more than Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro more than doubled his catches, more than doubled his targets. But because Brian Edwards is a perimeter player and that the targets have been consolidated there, the problem with Denver is the targets are as diversified as they could possibly be. We have three quality receivers, two quality tight ends, two quality running backs in the passing game. Right? There's no Ramadre Stevenson. There's no Dearness Johnson in Denver. They're two quality running backs. You can't feel good playing Judy or Sutton ever. Where you can always feel good playing Renfro and Edwards because it's them plus Waller. That's it. It's Waller, Edwards, Renfro, Renfro, Waller, Edwards, Edwards, Renfro, Waller. Well, whatever. It's those three guys. And they accounted for the, the vast majority of the targets. Think, oh, Renfro's going to get there on volume, check. Edwards will get there on efficiency, check. You play them both. Just like in Buffalo, Beasley's going to get there on volume, and Diggs will get there on efficiency. Done and done. Cam Newton may not be any good, or he could be great. We don't know. But there's serious upside there. Now, we're talking about 2QB and Superflex Dynasty Leagues. I am most fervently trying to acquire Cam Newton, because I might have missed him. Maybe I missed him when the... The free agent auction bids were run. So what? I can still go trade for him. Why not? They're creating packages in the red zone for Cam Newton to run it in when they have Hubbard and they have McCaffrey. And think about who their weapons are. DJ Moore and Terrace Marshall. If you have DJ Moore and Terrace Marshall, it's going to be difficult for you to fail. Throughout Cam Newton's career, he's had 
below average wide receiver talent. He had a young DJ Moore for a brief period, and that was it, right? He drove Kelvin Benjamin to one of the most inefficient breakouts we've ever seen. You surround Cam Newton with quality receivers in McCaffrey and DJ Moore and Terrace Marshall and Amir Abdullah. Amir Abdullah, another four targets. Oh, he's not washed. He's not washed because he can still run and those receivers will support him. He doesn't need to throw the ball down the field. He just needs to get the ball into the short intermediate areas to Marshall and Moore and McCaffrey and let them gobble up yards after the catch. It's almost too easy. It's so straightforward. And yet, because he didn't start last week, his value hasn't fully popped in seasonal leagues, but especially in Dynasty. If someone who's not contending went out and picked up Cam Newton, I would be knocking on that team's door if I were a contender, especially in 2QB and Superflex leagues. I want Cam Newton. I'm going to go try to get him everywhere I can if I'm contending. It's on, baby. Oh, we're doing this. We're doing this. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. Hello, Instagram. We are doing this, and we're going live everywhere. We're about to go live everywhere. Stop that takeaways! All right, we're back. We're back. We are back. The levels are back. We're back. Oh, we're back. We're back with a working microphone. I'm so glad. I'm so happy that I checked the levels. I didn't used to do this. Now I check the levels. I'm, this was this is huge. It's a great job that I did. If I hadn't checked the levels, we would have wrapped this show up and I would have realized, because I don't look at the comments, right? So we would have wrapped the show. I would have looked up and gone, oh, wait, uh, the audio is dead after the 10 minute mark. That would, it would have been horrible. It would have been horrible. I would have been. I would have been apoplectic. Oh, so glad that I that I'm so so glad that I that I'm able to multitask. I'm the producer. I'm the engineer. I am the talent. All thanks to me that this is this broadcast is back on track. Right? I'm doing a great job. So just so you know what happened, the the cable, the 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 cable attachment behind the scenes had had come loose. So that's what happened. That's that's what happened. That's what happened with the t- the top ten takeaways is back. The previous ten minutes are gone. Five minutes, whatever. Was it a minute? I don't remember what it was. It was it was not very long. It was it was terrible. We we, we lost the show. Now we're back, and we we, we could do the, but it can't be the same, right? We can't make it the same as it was. That previous stream gone forever. Been deleted from the YouTube channel. Now. We have to start over. We're starting the show over. And if Derrick Henry had a comp that was not Zangief from Street Fighter, it would have to be A.J. Dillon because A.J. Dillon is actually 247 pounds just like Derrick Henry. A.J. Dillon was this prolific runner at Boston College like Derrick Henry was a prolific runner 
at Alabama. It's just that the Packers are using A.J. Dillon more in the passing game than the Titans have ever used Derrick Henry in the passing game, and neither showed any signs of being a slick receiver at the college level. But it appears that A.J. Dillon's a better receiver than Derrick Henry, and this is very interesting. It's on, baby. And that's the show. I'm exhausted. I can't believe how much time I've spent talking about football. This is crazy. Is this the end? This is the end. Of this. There's no more games to talk about. Right? And I know you're well, that, that, uh, I haven't seen it. And man, they are ramrodding right through. They do matter. They just matter on the margins. They don't matter as much as the, you know, corporate media infrastructure wants you to believe. Corporate sports media, the media industrial complex, the corporate sports media industrial complex. That's what it is. That's the word. That's the turn of phrase. Doesn't matter as much as the corporate media industrial complex would lead you to believe. Right, and I know you're well. That, that, uh, I haven't seen it. These poor gladiators well they're not poor right 